Is your money working as hard as it could be for your future? A decade ago, Robinhood changed the investment landscape when they pioneered commission-free stock trading. Today, they continue to offer innovative products to help users build a better financial future, like IRAs, ETFs, options for qualified traders, and much more. Take control of your financial future with Robinhood. Download the app or visit Robinhood.com to learn more. That's Robinhood.com. Disclosures. Investing involves risk. Other fees may apply. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIP. PC is a registered broker dealer. Good morning, Brew Daily Show. I am Neil Fryman. And I'm Toby Howe. On today's podcast, we will tell the tragic tale of the robot pizza making unicorn that went bust, and the production of the Barbie movie caused a global shortage of, well, we'll tell you what later. This is the podcast version of Clickbait. Then we'll talk about OPEC and how Saudi Arabia is doing its best to prop up the price of oil before we break down some high-powered Hollywood beef between Tom Cruise and Christopher Nolan. Neil, it's Monday, June 5th. Let's ride. All right, I hope everyone had a good weekend. Uh, I, I This never happened to me, but I slept really funny, and I woke up and my back was just in a lot of pain, hey, and Neil, I couldn't move. Neil, as long as you're sleeping, I'm happy, okay? Oh, I was sleeping, but it just reminded me that, you know, I'm not, I'm not super young <laughs> anymore, and I was like, oh my God, what is going on? I'm so creaky. Uh, this week, did you know, is National Dog Bite Awareness Week? I, I can't say I, I did know this, Neil. All right, so it's a PR campaign by the U.S. Postal Service to raise awareness around dogs attacking mail carriers because while people tend to joke about it, this does seem like an actual problem. The USPS said that dogs attacked more than 5,300 of its employees while delivering the mail last year. Houston was the top city for dog attacks, followed by L.A., Dallas, and Cleveland. This is so sad to me because both parties involved are just trying to do their job. The mail people are just trying to deliver the mail, and the dogs is just trying to protect their home turf, so I feel for both of them. Um, but that's a, that's a much higher number than I expected, 5,300. So, Okay, let's get into our first story of the day. Over the weekend, Saudi Arabia unilaterally decided to reduce the amount of oil it sends to the rest of the world by 1 million barrels per day. Now, the goal is to prop up the price of oil a bit, which has been sagging over the last few months. This announcement comes as OPEC+, Plus, which is that consortium of oil-producing nations that account for right around 40% of the world's oil production, decided to extend previously agreed-upon cuts in, through to next year. So we're seeing all these cuts to oil supply with the goal being to reduce the supply out there, which, as you know, causes demand to potentially go up. That's prices. Prices to go up. Uh, that's the one microeconomics class I took in college coming to handy right there. Um, so overall, the two biggest takeaways from this announcement are one, Saudi Arabia is willing to act unilaterally to stabilize the price of oil, which is not the best look for the rest of OPEC because it doesn't really prevent present a unified front. And then two, we're still in a pretty weak overall market for oil because demand in the three biggest uh, oil consumers, China, the EU, and the US is still relatively soft. So Neil, this is our first time really talking about the energy markets on the show. Anything about these Saudi cuts that kind of stood out to you? It's just wild that these these countries get together in Vienna every so often and they just kind of huddle up and they come out with these announcements that Mm -hmm. that make huge 
differences to the price of oil globally? I mean, you said it was a consortium, but also it's kind of a cartel because they can they can you know work together to manipulate the price of oil, which is what a cartel can do <laughs> yeah. because they all kind of they control yeah forty percent. The U.S. has been growing its oil and energy output to kind of counterbalance that, and mm -hmm. so we can also impact the price of oil. The U.S. never likes it when the Saudis or OPEC cuts cuts their production because it leads to higher gas prices mm -hmm. for us and people, uh, you know, Americans driving around. This doesn't seem like it's going to be a huge deal for that. It kind of sets a floor of where oil prices could go. So I wouldn't expect, you know, definitely don't expect gas prices to go down from where they are now. But analysts don't really expect it to be a significant bump in gas prices um, because it's it's kind of a minor cut mm -hmm. and it could not be extended in the future. Yeah. And just to give a, a brief history of like how we got here uh, of recent history in October, uh, OPEC slashed output by two million barrels. And then again in April, uh, Saudi Arabia and Russia worked together to add another 1.6 million barrel cut, which actually really made the U.S. mad because yeah. at that time inflation was a really big deal. I mean, it's still a really big deal. But the White House kind of chastised OPEC for for doing these cuts, saying basically that Russia was just trying to maximize their profits to fund the Ukrainian war. It's wild how many things like. Yeah. Oil prices touch because uh, it's so widespread, especially for the Saudis. They want to get right. away from oil, but to do and by investing in technology and sports, which we can get to. But they need oil money to fund all of that. And they need oil to be at a particular threshold price that they can balance their, bu balance their budget and fund all of these activities. So they, this threshold price for Saudi Arabia is $80 a barrel and we're still below that. So they need to get that back up so they can fund all of these crazy initiatives that they have. There's this $500 billion mega city in the <laughs> desert, remember this, called Neom. The and line, it's just like yeah. a big line and it's gonna cost them $500 billion that they need oil revenue for. Then they, we also know that they they are backing this live golf series and they're paying golfers more than a hundred million dollars, not even to play just to come over from the mm -hmm. PGA tour. And now perhaps the most, you know, timely thing is that they're on this mission to be, to become like this global soccer powerhouse. They ha they got Ronaldo last year paying him $200 million a year. They just signed Kareem Benzema, who if people haven't heard is one of the best players on the planet. And he, they're paying him $250 million a year. And the crown jewel of this, you know, soccer, you know, sports washing thing that they're doing with, doing with golf is Lionel Messi, who may end up there. He's already a brand ambassador for their tourism industry. Yeah. Please, no, Messi. Come to Inter Miami. Stay stay in the U.S. Give the MLS some, some of your talent. So, yeah, it is crazy. Yeah, they need that $81 uh, a barrel price. And right now, oil is right around 77 mm. after the latest price cut. So it's still below. So they're definitely sweating a little bit. So we might see some, some more cuts going forward. All right, uh, let's move on to, there was a lot of news out of Hollywood yesterday. So Toby and I are just gonna run down some of the biggest stories that came out of our wonderful TV and film industry. Uh, the first of that is, uh, so most people know that there's this big Hollywood writer strike right now. There are more than 11,000 TV and film writers not working in protest of what they say is an existential threat to their profession due to the shift to streaming. But you may not know that there were negotiations going on with two other groups of well that you need to make a movie. 
the directors and the actors. Well, one of those disputes was resolved yesterday. The directors union and Hollywood studios reached a tentative contract for the next three years that the directors seem pretty pumped about. They're getting a pay bump of 5% next year and 4% the year after that. There was a provision for AI where it said they confirmed that generative AI is not a person. Good to know. And that it cannot replace guild members' duties. And then there was also this provision for gun safety after the death of that cinematographer who was working with Alec Baldwin on the Rust set in 2021. They're now banning live ammunition from all sets. So it looks like this is one labor dispute down, two to go. And the actors have until 5 p.m., uh, 5, p 5 p.m. Pacific today to w decide whether they're going to authorize a strike of their own. Both of the unions, the writers and the actors, said that this director's agreement had no bearing on their own negotiations. Yeah, but hopefully it's like a template and it provides kind of, uh, yeah, a template for how their disputes could get resolved as well. But yeah, good on the directors. There's so many of them, 19,000 in this union. So, um, Okay, let's move on to the box office now. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is the sequel to the animated version of Spider-Man that came out in 2018, absolutely dominated the box office this weekend. It pulled in 120.5 million at the domestic box office, which is second to only the Super Mario Bros movie for the biggest debut this year. What's even crazier is the first movie which won an Oscar for best animated film. So good. Only made it's so good. 35 million dollars in its first 3 days. So this second movie is on pace to be almost 3 times as big. I'm 100% going to go see this movie. Box office is not dead. Right. No, I, I think we're, what are we down? Like 20, we're down 22% below pre pandemic levels uh, so far through 2023. You know, it's, it's like slowly inching up. They were crushing last year's levels. We're up 28% mm -hmm. over the same period in 2022. Yeah. And then one detail from these box office numbers is that. A big driver of sales was the fact that 29% of people who saw the film saw it in a premium format, which averages $4.52 more per ticket. And honestly, I'm bringing that up too as a segue into our next point in our Hollywood roundup, which is uh, Christopher Nolan, the director of the upcoming movie Oppenheimer, is going on an absolute press tour de force right now to promote his movie that I can basically boil down to IMAX freaking rocks and is the <laughs> only way you should go and watch my movies. So he did this exclusive interview with AP where he said the best way to view his movies was on a 52 by 72 foot IMAX screen in the middle seat, but actually a few rows back from where you would typically watch a, a normal movie. And IMAX is certainly happy for the free press, even though it doesn't even really need it. IMAX Corp, which operates the IMAX theater, saw its revenues in this year's first quarter exceed the same period in 2019, which is crazy because we were just comparing overall box office yeah. revenues. Um, yeah, and Comscore predicts that IMAX theaters will bring in nearly 17% of domestic movie revenue this year, up from 9.2% in 2019. So yeah, IMAX movies, so hot right And now. Nolan loves IMAX. I've never seen someone like something this much. He shoots, all, I think he shot all of his movies since The Dark Knight on IMAX, which came out in 2008. And apparently the film for the, the Prince for Oppenheimer, which is about the development of the nuclear bomb in 1945, 
It spans over 11 miles of film stock and weighs 600 pounds. Crazy. He, he does love his, his IMAX film. And then one final detail while we're talking about IPAX, IMAX, uh, the seventh Mission Impossible movie called Dead Reckoning Part 1 opens on July 12th, and it has most of the IMAX screens booked on that date until July 21st when Oppenheimer comes out and Tom Cruise is so mad about this because he's getting booted from all the IMAX theaters by Nolan. So he's complaining loudly to Paramount executives and he's also apparently, this is the quote, out for blood about it. You never want Tom Cruise no. out for your blood. I thought Tom Cruise ran Hollywood, but apparently IMAX loves Christopher Nolan yeah. even more. This is probably a bad move by IMAX because I think... Uh, Mission Impossible is going to make more money than Oppenheimer. Yeah, but I don't know. One, you said earlier yeah, you were on I know. Tom Cruise. Well, I was side. on his side because he did that stunt where he drives the motorcycle off the cliff, and he's probably thinking, are you kidding me? I literally risked my life for this, and now I'm getting booted by Oppenheimer. So This I, is just bad planning. Why? You know, These are two of the biggest movies of the year, yeah. and the fact that they're coinciding. There's just an IMAX. They I'm double book, both. They, they double book both. the IMAX theaters. Yeah. Um, let's move on to our final uh, movie story. Barbie is one of the most anticipated movies of the summer. Very different. I don't think you have to see that one on IMAX, but it might be interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's starring Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, directed by Greta Gerwig. Huge movie. Um, a, in a recent interview, the production designer for Barbie said that they were so committed to making everything pink, props, sets, clothes, anything else in the movie frame, that the world ran out of pink. <laughs> And the company that makes the shade of pink paint, it's named Roscoe, they confirmed to the LA Times that Barbie movie did clean us out of paint. There was the shortage that they already had, and then we gave them everything they could. I think it's a brilliant marketing ploy because, yeah, the fine print is that this company was already suffering paint shortages after actually a deep freeze in Texas. Remember that crazy Texas storm? Yeah. Damaged paint materials. Right. So that that shortage, and then also they were still feeling shortages from the COVID-19 pandemic. So even though the headline is Barbie makes the world run out of pink paint, the world was already a I little low on pink paint. Don't so. tell me that. Let, let, let still, me just believe that Barbie movie caused so a global much. shortage of yeah. paint. All right. Lots of movies to go see. I'm really excited, actually. I'm, I'm a big movie going. I see. I can now, see that. These days. All right. Before we jump into our next story, we're going to take a quick break. All right, Neil, we're back with our post-weekend segment, Who Won the Weekend, where you and I both pick out someone who had an especially great weekend, whatever that may entail. So I'm up first, and my winner of the weekend is the Newtown Pride 7v7 soccer team. They are a whole lot richer after winning the first inaugural $1 million soccer tournament. It's called TST, which stands for the soccer tournament, this weekend down in North Carolina. So what is this tournament and why is it worth a million dollars? Well, the backstory comes from a company called TBT Enterprises, which have run one, a $1 million basketball tournament the last few years. Basically, the TBT, the basketball tournament, pits washed-up low-level pros, former college players, and other really good amateurs against each other in this March Madness-style tournament. And a couple of former college soccer players were watching the TBT and said, wait a second, this would totally work for soccer. So they teamed up with the company behind the basketball tournament to launch the TST. This tournament attracted 
all kinds of really big names. There was Cesc Fabregas, who used to play for Barcelona. Chad Ochocinco was there. Wrexham, the team that Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds owns, fielded a team. Steve Nash was there. The U.S. Women's National Team fielded a team of former players. It was kind of the who's who of, of big soccer names. And overall, it was just a very cool uh, approach to amateur sports that was honestly really entertaining and captured a, a fair amount of, of fan interest as well. Speaking of washed up players, when are you playing? I know. Okay, so this is my anecdote is when, when the news came out immediately in all the group chats saying should we fund a team, should we, yeah. should we enter? It cost 25 grand to enter. Yeah. So you would have had to, we would have had to raise some It's money. like a big uh, high stakes uh, table in Vegas. I know. And it's winner take all too. So okay. it's $1 million or, or bus. So. Was it televised? It was televised. Peacock and uh, NBC Sports are showed some of the rounds, some of the major matchups. And then my final anecdote on this story, which maybe is why I chose it as the winner of the weekend, is I actually ran into Steve Nash uh, on Saturday playing in my own soccer league in New York. He plays in the same league. Subtle flex there. And I was just like, Steve, how did the tournament go? And they played Wrexham and lost 3-2, and he gave me kind of a breakdown of how the game went. So that was why the, the TST is my overall win of the weekend. Because Toby wanted to tell everyone that yes. he's friends with Steve Nash, <laughs> Steve, if who you're is listening. a NBA legend, <laughs> legend and former coach. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to my winner, which is just the human race. <laughs> <laughs> because there is yet another industry in which robots can't just get rid of us just yet. And it is making za. Zoom was a robot pizza making company that just went belly up and has ceased operating according to the information. This company wanted to automate the entire pizza making process by cutting humans out of the equation and having machines do everything. But this wasn't just any robot pizza making company. It was it raised 450 million dollars in venture capital including 375 million from SoftBank. And if you hadn't heard of SoftBank, it's this Japanese conglomerate led by this very interesting, I mean I guess that's generous, uh, guy named Masayoshi-san. And at the height of the startup boom in 27-2018, he was throwing billions to any founder with a hustle culture mindset who could tell a good story. Think Adam Newman of WeWork. Zoom was also led by one, a former video game exec who said he wanted Zoom to be the Tesla of fresh food and the Amazon of fresh food. Oh my God. But instead, Zoom became the Quibi of fresh food. <laughs> it suffered technical problems like, get this, melted cheese that kept sliding off of its pizzas while its trucks were moving. And eventually it pivoted in 2020 to become a packaging supplier to other food companies. That didn't work out either. So this is sort of, this story is very much a symbol of Silicon Valley excesses of, you know, the late 2010s and how venture capital companies were throwing literally hundreds of millions of dollars to very unprofitable, very experimental companies that were a little risky. R.I.P. Zoom, man. I think the funniest part is at one point it had 496 employees, which what are you working on? 496 employees on a robot pizza truck. They were like so. unloading all of the pallets and, you know, they tried to automate the entire process, but apparently yeah. a lot of it was labor intensive. I don't know. Big I don't win for humans. I yeah. don't think this is the end of robots making for food. Sure I mean, Sweetgreen just opened mm -hmm. this fully automated um you know, location, but uh, yeah. maybe this one was just like a little ahead of its time. All right, our final segment for Mondays is we give you a preview of what to expect for the week ahead. This is gonna be a really crazy week, starting with today. 
Apple's hosting hosting its big annual event called the Worldwide uh, Developers Conference. The big the big news out of there is that later today it's expected to reveal its mixed reality headset and enter the metaverse. That is its biggest hardware launch since the Apple Watch in 2014. So we're going to be really excited. I'm going to be glued to the the screen later today to see what this thing looks like. Yeah, and by this time next month, we're going to be doing this headset in virtual reality. I can't wait. This podcast in virtual reality. They're also going to release some software updates to iOS, or the new iOS 17 is coming out. Apparently, there's going to be a journaling app. (laughs) That's like the big thing that everyone is expecting. It's going to replace the Notes app. The Notes gets it done for me, so I'm excited for that. And everyone, and so everyone knows that there's this like theme that Apple executives do at the end of this conference, which is called one more thing. Mm-hmm. And Steve Jobs kind of patented over the past couple decades where he would give the whole spiel. And then at the end, he would just be like, oh, and one more <laughs> thing. And then he does this kind of not small product update. So we should be uh, kind of paying attention to what that is. Um, what else is happening? The new Are there more candidates entering the Republican race for president? You have former New Jersey governor Chris Christie and former vice president Mike Pence entering the field, which also includes uh, former President Trump. He's the front runner. Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, who is the governor or the senator from South Carolina and former South Carolina governor Nikki Haley. I have this trivia about Tim Scott. Okay. He'd be the first blank president since Grover Cleveland in 1884, if elected. Uh, billionaire? No. <laughs> I don't know. It's taller than six ba- foot? Bachelor. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You need a, uh, a there was only, lady. There was only two other presidents, uh, Grover Cleveland and James Buchanan, that uh, were unmarried, and Tim Scott is. Interesting, so. yeah. I mean, he's not going to win, but it's just a little interesting trivia fact to drop on uh, on your coworkers today. Uh, let's move on to sports. It's going to be a busy week in sports. We have the NHL uh, and NBA Finals. Manchester City is going for the treble in the Champions League uh, title game on Saturday. Please, Inter, beat them. I do not want that. And then, but I think the the most exciting sports this week is the men and women's uh, World Series. College World College Series. World Series. It's it's like blown up over the past few years, and it's like perfect for social, and you just love to see college uh, athletes having fun, and it's just like a really good product. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's so regional. Like any right. any college sports just has great fans. So yeah, I'll be watching as well. All right, finally, we have D- tomorrow is the 79th anniversary of D-Day. And for anyone wanting to read up on that, I recommend D-Day by Stephen Ambrose, which is this really kind of exhaustive and detailed, but still very compelling book uh, at what happened. And it's just kind of mind-blowing. So definitely pick out that book. Uh, Prince Harry is going to testify in this tabloid trial tomorrow, which is one of several battles he's waging against the press for digging up stories on him illegally, including allegedly hacking into his phone. Royals do not get up on the witness stand, so this is going to be a very historic event. The last royal to be uh, to testify in court was in 1890. So would we to have Prince Harry up there is going to be absolutely juicy. I don't, I don't even consider him a royal anymore. He's just a reality TV star at this point. All right. Well, either way, uh, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see what he says. And usually, you know, he's going to be cross examined like very very uh, intensely. And then finally, the gang's back with uh, 16th season of It's Always Sunny and. Philadelphia on Wednesday. What a run for the show that I have 
admittedly do not watch. I can't I can't wait for our 16th season of Morning <laughs> Morning Brew Daily. So we'll be right there. What a week, Neil! Thanks for running that. I for am. Everyone. You're welcome. That is my job. All right, uh, that is our show. Hope everyone has a great Monday. Um, please write us in and say hi at Morning Brew Daily at morningbrew.com. Huge shout out to our crew for making this happen. Emily Milliron is our editor and producer. Samantha Vellas and Raymond Liu are the associate producers. Good morning, Dan Bowser. Billy Menino is on audio. Hair and makeup is also on Tom Cruise's bad side. Devin Emery is our chief content officer, and our show is a production of Morning Brew. Great show today, Neil. Let's run it back tomorrow. Thank you.